We want to answer a few questions. Uh, like we said, we, we are certainly not in, in the category of experts on parenting. Um, so we're in this, we're sharing together by looking to the Word of God and, and some guiding biblical principles for parenting. Um, we had a few that were submitted previous to the, invi- the event that I want to hit uh, a little bit here, and then we'll just kind of open it up and, and field some questions you might have uh, from some of the material we've covered already. Um, one of the questions that came in is, uh, how should parents of teens handle dating? Is there a good age to aim for? Any suggestions for approach? Uh, group dating? Um, you know, on down the line. Um, and since my, my, my kids are entering into this phase, I don't have a ton of experience um, outside of my own experience, which wasn't all that great. Um, I can say from my experience, um, dating was not as intentional as it should have been. Um, there is a pattern that is easy to establish without thinking, okay, Lord, w- w- what are we after? Why do we date? Well, dating has a goal, to discern who to marry. That's the goal. Dating is not for entertainment. Dating is not for self-gratification, um, to make yourself feel good because you've got a girlfriend, right? That there is a goal to dating, which I think constrains it to a certain period of one's life. That is, uh, am I ready to find the woman that I am looking to marry or not? So if I'm in junior high, there's no point. There's no point. And, and the problem is, is if you start in junior high dating and we're going out and then we're that, and then we break up and then we date someone else and then we break up, you're establishing this pattern of, oh, we fell in love and then I broke up. Um, and it's, it's a pattern that is often repeated on into the vow. Well, we got married, and then, yeah, it didn't go the way, she didn't really meet all my expectations, so divorce, right? And we don't want to set our children up for a, a rhythm that would incline them to, when things go difficult or don't really turn out great, we quit. It's done. So the vow is a completely different scenario, and uh, I just think there's wisdom in being purposeful and intentional. So talking with your kids about what is the goal of courtship or dating, and that has as much to do with, with the function of it, what the expression of it. Um, the other thing I always encourage is, uh, especially the context of the church, there's so much value in being around others in the context of getting to know somebody. You can avoid that intense one-on-one, um, awkward, uh, you know, isolation type of, of dating which can lead to a lot of things that you would prefer to avoid um, as much as the, the value of being together in a group, still enjoying time to, together and, and getting to know someone. Um, so I do think there's value in a group. The church contact or context is, is a help. Uh, Steve, you've got a lot more experience as far as seeing your kids come up through that. So what would you, what would you well, say? Well, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, I'm glad my kids are all grown and married. Uh, but because uh, it, it's not always the easiest. But I, I want to give thanks to the Lord that our kids on balance handled that whole situation very well as they grew up. But it was, there were some challenges. One thing I would, all that was just spot on. 
uh, I would say amen loudly to everything you said. One thing is, is starting early. Um, I think in our family, we talked about this because we knew it was coming down the pike when they were younger. And so uh, when they're 10, 11, 12, you know, they're getting a little bit older, you're talking about um, what your philosophy would like to be. And you're going to have to hold that in open hand because things can change. But we tried to talk to our uh, kids about what it means to be marriageable. Uh, that was the term we use, marriageable, like where, okay, son, um, what are things going to have to be in place where it's really realistic for you to be near marriage age for uh, in a relationship? So, yeah, you say junior high. No, I mean, and even high school, really? Uh, how, how's that going? So we talk about the things that need to be in place for you to be in a position to develop a serious relationship that could lead to the, to the marriage altar. So I would say start young talking about these things and reasonable with, and, and then and you're actually ahead of the game because they're not, their hormones aren't racing real wild then and stuffs too. So that's a good thing. Um, I'm just thinking I had to jot it down a couple of, of notes here. Um, yeah, the, the just remembering um, if they're going to be dating and whenever that starts, even when it is older, boy, some good communication and accountability goes a long way. It's, mm -hmm. to, it's to your point there, Jeremy. I mean, I'm, I'm 61 years old now, um, but I remember what it was like to be 16. I've got a bad memory, but I'm not, not that bad a memory. And the temptations that come. So my concern when dating starts, whenever it starts, is the moral purity of, of the, the people involved uh, and the emotional purity. I mean, guarding hearts and not just playing around, you know, just recreational dating and stuff. So we talked a lot about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so standards, you know, where, where do we want to be alone? Uh, do we, uh, is that good? I mean, really, is, are you going to have self-control and so on and so forth? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot that runs into, and, and I know maybe even in this, this group here, but I certainly know in my church circles, and there's varying philosophies floating about, and it's, 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 a, it's a wisdom issue big time. But you want to be intentional about it. Yeah. I mean, you're not I would just flying by the seat of your pants on this. On the standards part, Jenny could tell some stories there. When we started dating, my, my girlfriend in high school, we did not, I, I, I didn't do what I learned the hard way. Um, I, I, I came out of that relationship through a very painful breakup with my girlfriend. She was devastated, and I went off to Bible school. Um, and it was two years later that I met Jenny, and I was like, okay, this time, I want to do it the right way. And so we, we sat down, and I had printed up a page of dating standards that we worked together on, and, you know, near the top of the list is no sex before marriage. Obviously, we're committed to purity. Lord, we want to hold you as the highest in our relationship. But then there was, there was things that we agreed to. We actually signed and dated this document. We still have it. Um, when it came to our, our friendships, and, and uh, we didn't want our friendships to just get cast aside. We wanted to keep those friendships and value our friends, um, to be wise about how often we were alone, um, to, be, to be thinking about physical contact. I didn't want to defraud or steal from Jenny what was not mine to take. And until she's my wife, there's a lot of things that are not mine. They're simply not. And uh, so I wanted to do a good job of that together with her. And, 
And we laugh as we look back because it was, it was fairly intense, you know, <laughs> and formal. But it, it blessed us, yeah. and it, it was a blessing. Yeah. Um, so there's so much in that. Um, obviously, uh, you're, you're, what, are you, what you're looking for in a godly spouse, teaching your kids to esteem above all else, um, the gospel on display in the person that they're looking for, um, yeah, that, yeah. That, was a, that was a good thing, like with my boys, I remember meeting with them, we had the, what was called the Ball Vance Bible Institute for a while there, and, and, and one of the things we covered was this whole area, and saying, hey guys, um, you know, it's important to, to know what you're looking for in a potential wife, but more importantly, sons, what you need to be as a man. Right. You know, not, not just what you're looking for, but what you need to be, and serious conversations about mm-hmm. that, and, and until these things are in process, and you're progressing, you're not really marriageable. I mean, we need to get you ready before you start uh, this, this idea of dating and stuff. So yeah, one size does not fit all. There's lots of different ways of looking at it, but as parents, as each of you, taking it very seriously from young, uh, the youngest of ages and age-appropriate discussions with them, I think is, is, is a very important thing. I would say um, from experience, Getting married young is awesome. It's awesome. Jenny was 19 when we got married. Um, we dated for two years. We were engaged for one of those years. Um, and we, we had a wonderful experience. I, I would also add, um, not everyone is mature uh, or ready to be married at, for instance, age 19. Um, so it's not a one-size-fits-all. Kids are going to be in different places. But you don't have to be 30 to be married. I really would say, if you find, it, your, your child finds um, a, a godly sp- uh, spouse, or a girlfriend, a fiance, don't make them, you know, sit around and wait forever. Just go for it. Get married. Um, so long as things are all add up and, and follow the wisdom of the Lord. Uh, the way of the world at this point is far too slow to marriage, in my opinion. Waiting way too long. Um, so if the Lord provides, yeah. then um, be wise and, and move forward. Okay, another question is, how should we navigate media, movies, music, social media? What's, what are some principles to help in decision-making? And, uh, you know, anytime we get into that, we're dealing with the area of Christian liberty. Okay, and so we're automatically in gray. This is not as easy as black and white, make a list, do this, don't do this. Um, We are in a gray area. Now, we're not in the gray when it comes to obey the Lord, right? Honor the Lord. Um, But we are in in gray when it comes to what is acceptable for one family may be wholly unacceptable for another family. As in, um, the movie they decide to watch may be fine for this family with a clear conscience, and another family may say, no way. We're, we, we just, we, we're not going to watch that. And for them, they shouldn't, right? Because it would be sinful. A, a guilty, heavy conscience would be wrong. Um, so as much as I would love to say, uh, let me just give you a list. These movies are good. Go for it. These movies are not good. Don't watch them. That is an oversimplification of the process, um, of, of the situation. So be wise, be discerning, uh, and I would say there's a, there's a certain sense in which we should be 
constantly tuned in to this. Um, when you talk about shaping a worldview, there is no more powerful worldview shaper than a story, right? And so, think, or a song that just gets in your head and you sing it. It's powerful. Media is an extremely successful secularizing um, medium in our day. Um, so making decisions. Uh, with our kids, we were like, social media is, is a, a pretty potent and powerful thing. And we talk with them about it, and we're just like, we don't think it's worth your time. We, it, and at this point, they're still, they're like, neither of them have a Facebook account, and they're not dying. They're not, you know, suffering over there. And um, so we're, we're being wise. Gracie's turning 18, and I think she's like, eh, kind of interested in Instagram for art stuff. Okay. But, you know, it's, 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 it's wisdom and discerning. When it comes to music, Jenny grew up listening just to Christian music, you know. Um, I grew up listening. I went to public school. Um, so I, I listened to all kinds of things at school a lot of times. And I can say, um, you know, there, some of those songs I, I enjoy, um, but some of those songs weren't helpful for me, right? So... Uh, we don't want to be overly constrained and, and bubbleized, as it were. We, we, we don't want to just live in a Christian bubble and, and never have any engagement with the world. And at the same time, we don't want to throw ourselves blindly into powerful things that can shape and, and harm. Um, so build it out. Steve. Yeah, uh, I could just say again, amen. As a matter of fact, would you mind adopting me? I'd like to be sure. Um, anyway, uh, no, this is great wisdom that you're sharing. I, I would just add, this is real practical. And when, it, for example, movies or music, um, would I invite Jesus, if he was here in the flesh, and he was my friend, he lived down the neighborhood, hey, come over and watch the movie tonight. Would I do that? And And whatever the answer in my conscience, I, I like that. Uh, my conscience may not be yours and vice versa, and we never want to sin against our conscience, mm -hmm. but uh, you follow that, that's a good guide. Uh, Ephesians 5, if you want to jot down a, a verse, Ephesians 5, uh, like 3 to 10, somewhere there, if you use that kind of as your entertainment guide. I, so this is another practical thing that I think would, not only would I invite Jesus, that's kind of a tangible thing, but... Um, Am I being entertained by? And this is what, something I have to be honest in my own heart. And you have to be honest in your heart. And our hearts, again, may not be similar. And that's okay. But in our own hearts, say, am I being entertained in a bad way by something for which Christ died to set me free? Okay, so in Steve's mind, don't judge me here, but in Steve's mind, I can watch a war movie where they're shooting up and maybe some language that's not good, but I'm watching that and going, that's the way it was. This is, this is how it was in World War II. This is how it was in Vietnam. And I'm not getting all my, you know, it's not feeding my flesh as it were. It's, 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 it's informative and I'm enjoying it, but I, there's, there's not a fleshly, I, I'm honest before God, this is not, but whereas I might, be watching a movie where there's a romantic stuff going on, and I go, you know what? That's feeding my flesh, mm -hmm. and that's not good. Again, the next guy, the next Christian brother, he has liberty to do it. I'm not there to judge him. That's not my responsibility. 
but my responsibility is true to my own heart. Is this going to mess me up? Is, am I being, is there a sense I'm not being loyal and faithful to my wife here watching this particular movie? Um, then I got to stop and, and say no to that. So those are just a, a few practical yeah. uh, uh, things, but I, I appreciate everything that you've shared. That's helpful. Uh, one of the absolute, you know, ax dropping uh, principles for us in our home is nudity. It's out. If, if a movie contains nudity, partial nudity in that sense, it's gone. We don't even bother with it. Um, the, the person that I have been given access in that way uh, is the one I'm married to, period, period. Um, and it is uh, something that we need to hold a high bar. I am struck by all of the mature content that is being pushed out by all kinds of, like Disney even now, these series that are coming out. And if you see TVMA, then you need to be forewarned. You cannot predict what is coming your way. And what will often happen is they'll start with TV, a lower rating, to get you hooked. And then I, I scrolled through yesterday, the episodes. It was the seventh episode that the rating went to TVMA. And the rest of the season, it was TVMA mature audience, which is let it rip, anything goes. So just be discerning, be tuned in, be aware, and be on your guard. This stuff can be very detrimental and toxic. I, I just families. thought of another thing too, and you, you alluded to it, but um, you know, some of the social media stuff, it's, it's not only uh, hard on the morals, but it's dangerous. I mean, uh, girls getting hooked right. into stuff and guys are taking advantage and the next thing you know they're hooked and um, it's really it's some really scary stuff I I know again like all parenting it, as the kids are getting older you need to be respectful and kind and, and not heavy-handed but boy we need to parent our kids our kids uh, if we were talking teenage uh, parenting right here our kids still need us even if they don't feel like they need us at age 17 18 19 they do need us and we don't parent our teenagers like we parent toddlers there's a whole different dynamic going on there of course but in the whole area of social media some of the stuff I've read and seen and heard about boy oh boy is a dad if I'm not watching over my daughter especially but my boys as well shame on me because bad crap happens and in some sad stories there and I'd rather have my child feel like dad come on you know you're a little you know involved well I'd rather air there than some of the sad stories I've heard mm -hmm. so just just a word there are some filters and whatever it would work in but figure it out to where you're there is a level of accountability and serious loving protective shepherding going on mm -hmm. in that whole social media realm yeah that's so important. The, uh, the goal is not to be the gatekeeper. Ultimately, the goal is to equip your children to be wise and discerning, right? Because th that's the whole push. The push is to hand them off to the Lord, uh, to walk in a way that honors Him. So early on, we're making the decisions. And as they get older, increasingly, we're pointing them to wisdom and calling them. And then we become coaches, we're, we're cheering them on. Come on, you can do it. Stick to it. Good job. Um, so um, that can be some helpful, some helpful thoughts there. 
question came in, and then we're going to open it up here, although time is just a little short. Um, how can we break some bad habits that we've allowed to be established already in our parenting and, and, and with our kids? Steve, what would you say on that? That's, that's a great question. I, I would say if, if Maureen and I realize that we let out, we say we'll use a terminology, we let out too much rope mm-hmm. on something and we need to pull it back in, uh, I think sitting down with the children, child or children, and, and, and having that discussion, say, hey, sorry, but mommy and daddy, uh, or mom and dad, whatever the age, we don't, teenagers will call us mommy and daddy, but um, if we feel like we've let so much out, and here's some reasons why we, we're going to have to change some things. We're, we're thinking things through here, and we're going to make some adjust, adjustments. And then, if depending on how long it's been going on and the nature of it, then we're ex- exercising a lot of patience and grace as we're changing that way we've been rolling um, so that it's not un- unrealistic in, in, in expectation and so on. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is acknowledging it humbly, saying, hey, this is what we need to change, and here's how we're going to go about it. Let's have some discussion about it. Um, yeah, that's somewhat. I th- might have had something else on that. Yeah, it's helpful. I think one of the things that came to mind for me is, uh, for instance, if, you're, if your parenting has been allowing behavior that you know is sinful and wrong, um, and, and it's kind of just become an ingrained response, for example. If, if you tell your son that I want you to do this, and he rolls his eyes and goes and does it, and you've never, you've never engaged that or addressed that, that's sin. That's a disrespect. That is not the attitude of the heart of obedience. Then I would say there's never a better time to begin addressing that than now. Just because you haven't engaged it to this point doesn't mean that it's too late, right? So I heard years ago in the business world, good leaders make good second decisions. Right. Like so, in the parenting realm, I may have been rolling a certain way, and then I realize, ah. That's not the best. There's a better way to do this in our family. Mm-hmm. The humble thing to do is own it, say, this is how we did it, but it's, we, need to, we need to make some adjustments. Uh, we want to make a better decision. We want to make a better direction for our family. And so, again, you have that, depending on the age, you can have some healthy, respectful dialogue about that. And again, I think the attitude in which you, you're doing that helps a lot. That's saying the obvious not just coming in with like a bulldozer, but coming in with a humble heart with our kids. Um, even though we're in charge and we ultimately make the decisions, we, we respect them and, and we have the dialogue, we hear them and so on. But yeah, good, good, making good second decis- or third decisions. You know, mm-hmm. life is, I think it's gonna come up in our next session here. Um, life is fluid, not static. I mean, things are changing. It's, it, it's not what we did last year may not be the best thing to do this year. And being willing to change, uh, us being willing to change as dads and moms. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. The, uh, the what it comes down to, though, I, Steve said it really well in an earlier session. Our job is to obey the Lord, and 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 at the end of the day, that is a constantly growing awareness that is dialed in increasingly. And as we grow as believers, he's going to open our eyes to things that maybe, you know, five years ago didn't matter as much. And now we're like, oh, wow, we as a family need to sit down and really consider this. Maybe we've allowed um, a certain tone of interaction 
uh, in the family, among family members. Maybe there's been, you know, in, in some cases, there's demeaning in the family. I've seen this, even from parents to children, uh, kind of a mocking or demeaning, undercutting kind of word. That shouldn't happen. That, that shouldn't be a practice. So if the Lord convicts of that, then have a family council. I remember my dad sitting us down a number of times, gathering us around and saying, guys, um, this we call is something. It, we call it circling the wagons. Circle the wagons, right. <laughs> family council. Um, we would sit down and, and dad would lead the, in these and, and he'd say, listen, th- there's some things going on that we want to make adjustments to. And so that's wh- I, I think it's good to bring that up because parenting is not always a straight line. Sometimes it's like, oh, I think we're here. Oh, now we're back here. And there's grace for that. Um, but obedience is the goal, both in the parent and in, in the child. So Something else just hit me just out of the blue, and you, you've addressed it a couple of times. But um, in some of those things that we do as a family, we're, we, we would try to regularly remind the kids, like, um, this is how the ball vances are rolling. The, the rest of the families we know, they may not roll this way. Mm-hmm. And not doing that, like, and, and truly meaning it, like, this is the way the Lord's directing us, but he may not direct others this way, and they may be perfectly in the will of God as, as much as we're striving to be there too. Mm-hmm. So a preventative from a, a comparison, a preventative from a self-righteous thing, like, oh, this is how you do it. We, we do it this mm-hmm. way. No, this is the way that, the Lord sees it. Here's the principles we're trying to apply, but others may choose to do it differently. Yeah. Um, I think that even in the flock, that helps to protect unity and stuff so we don't get a superiority thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, even the way the kids talk to other kids about the family and stuff. Want, yeah. I just uh, want to be careful there. It's very helpful. Very good. Okay, what questions come to mind for y'all? What's on the radar? We've got time for a handful of questions. So, uh, for a child who is repenting of their sin to the Lord, which is good, right? Because it's not just about us. Ultimately, disobedience to parents is disobedience to God. And so pointing it upward. Um, but I, I think maybe it's, tr- it's terminology. Um, you, you want your children to confess their sins. It's 1 John 1.9. Uh, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, that's something we do regularly, every day as believers. Um, so the giving of a new heart, I think the way that you're using it means, Lord, I want a heart of obedience. I want to obey. Part of repentance is a changing of the mind towards sin. So um, you, you could use terminology that maybe wouldn't confuse them with regeneration, which is the actual salvation of your child, right? That happens in a moment once for all eternity and maybe the prayer could be more lord help me to obey right next time when i'm faced with the same decision help me to obey put put it in my heart to obey you um, not to disobey you if i'm hearing your question right because yeah there there is a point in time when they're saved and they're not being re-saved every time you go through that um that process is that that work. That's good. And I, I would just add on, just in the realm of uh, little younger children uh, making a profession of faith, uh, ours, most of our kids made professions of faith at a pretty young age. Our basic uh, 
stance on that was to celebrate that in a reasonable fashion, to affirm it, but all the while in our hearts realizing we don't know what genuine conversion is, especially at that age. And so, so we were always antenna up for building upon uh, that as the years rolled on, as the months and years rolled on. You know, you're not just taking for, oh, they prayed to ask Jesus in their heart when they were five, then that's, oh, glad that's taken care of. No, it may have been uh, genuine, it may not have been. So we're, lo- we're just looking for fruit as, it, as we go along. And you can, as the, as the months and years roll on, you can uh, appeal back to that son. Um, you said you're, you love Jesus. You said you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus and you've repented and he's your Lord and Savior. You're not acting like that. You can appeal back to that. But um, all that to say, I, we just didn't assume I know that's further than your question was, probably, friend, but um, I did, it just came to my mind. We don't assume that those conversions are truly born-again experiences. The, the future will show it. The fruit will show it in the future. Right. Because right. ultimately, it's not about what I believed back then. It's about what I believe right now. That's what counts. Um, it, keep believing is the call. Persevere in the faith. Um, if we've been genuinely saved back here, then today we will indeed continue and Yeah, I like that thing. If, you, if I want to know somebody's alive, I don't ask for their birth certificate. Yeah. I look for a pulse. Yeah. You know, and there so like, oh boy, I, I asked Jesus in my heart back when I was a kid, but there's no evidence of it since, or very little evidence, yeah. and I go, hmm, that's suspect. That's good. Write that down, Jenny. <laughs> I'm going to use that someday. That was awesome. I, I stole it from somebody. I, I, I don't I know like who to give that. credit to, but... Look for a pulse. Yes. <laughs> Everything I've ever said that's worthy of this, I've stole it from somebody. So. I love it. What other questions come to mind? Those are easy questions. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping we'd get some hard ones, but <laughs> if we've got to answer that one, okay. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have time to do all of that, but um, remember who made sex. God made sex. Sex is awesome. I remember preaching a sermon here. The title of the sermon in 1 Corinthians was Christian Sex. And I had some old ladies come, and they were like, I can't believe you're going to preach a sermon with that title. And I'm like, it's, it's in the Bible. This is beautiful. This is God's creation. So we have no shame, no hesitation to glory in the creation of God that he made and blessed and called good within its proper constraints. That's how we should be touting the wonderful gift that God has given in sex. Now, at appropriate ages, yes. Um, and then with great care and warning about how sin and Satan would love to take what God has blessed and made good and just pervert it into ugliness. Um, I still remember my parents at a young age, they taught us the, the castle walls of the vow and how beautiful it is inside the castle walls of the vow. Sex is meant to stay there, never to, to jump the wall and to, and to run in that, in that area. You, you walk in through the gate, right, at the, at the, at the altar before the Lord. Uh, so honoring the vow, protecting the proper place of sex, and esteeming that as God's creation and God's gift. Um, so I think it's good for us, and frankly, if we don't have that kind of mindset, the world will beat us to the punch. The world has no hesitation to talk about sex with 
increasingly in our day and in a more public school scenario as young as they can get. Um, So we need to win the race and we need to be wise in how we equip them to think about these things. This is as much a worldview question as it is anything. Um, When it comes to an individual taking the boys aside, I love this, love this. I went on a trip with my dad, one-on-one. We went camping and we spent a good bit of that time listening through the Dobson tapes. That's what everybody seemed to do back then. Um, and I, I still laugh at some of the stuff Dobson said, but it was helpful. Like it gave me a, a context to ask questions that I guarantee you I had at that age. And my dad was the person that it helped me establish this link. I go to my dad. Like go to your dad if you have these questions. And, and daughters, the same thing. Um, so with our kids, we, we did these things as well, and we wanted to take them and, and, and honor those moments and set those aside, um, but encourage questions, encourage interactions. We never want to take something sacred and treat it as casual um, or as uh, be, to be flippant with it um, or to joke with it in a way that, that lowers it. Sex is, is, is sacred, and so we want to honor it that way. It's another reason why we don't just you know, go to the gutter with movies and, and demean the, the beauty and glory of sex that God has created and blessed. So those are a few thoughts, yeah, Steve. That's, that's just spot on. I think that sometimes we might, as, as the years are going on, we might err on the side of waiting too long to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Again, we need to be appropriate with the, the specifics of what we're talking about and stuff, but it is a gift. Sex is not dirty. It's dirty when it's outside of, of God's design, as you will articulated there but it's not and I think our kids need to, to know biblically what is right and what is wrong and no, no better way to hear from us and that catch it some way through their friends or some other uh, source so I think that's good everything you said was spot-on I I too we took our I took my boys on these little getaways and I tried to be ahead of the curve and it was a little clumsy you know you're talking about things and they if you got them aside they'd say they'd have their funny stories about dad doing that and everything but you know no regrets there I know pastor Mark's done that with all his boys as well I mean this is this is this is good and healthy and hopefully opening up the door to talk about things for they'll come to us like you had said Um, yeah but it's it's you're gonna have to know your individual child not one size doesn't fit all, uh, girls or boys. They need to, you know, some of them are ready earlier than, but I'd rather be ahead of the curve than behind the curve. Yeah. Just a word here since we're on the topic about purity culture. Um, there's a backlash in our day against purity culture. You may have seen the documentary. Um, and the way I understand this is it's, uh, it's got this baggage that, that basically says, um, you know, uh, Women, it's your fault if men are tempted because you're not dressed modestly enough. And so it's, it's kind of victimizing the women. And, and no doubt, this has been, this has done, this has been done, documented. It's, it's happened. Um, so my encouragement is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here on purity culture. Are we to be pure? Absolutely. Purity honors the Lord. We should esteem purity to our children and clarify what it, what it means for our daughters to dress modestly, okay? Modesty is not a burden to bear. It is a, a joy to embrace. 
It is God's best for a woman to, to, to walk modestly. It, it is not um, that young men would blame a woman for their sin. That's not okay. They, they choose their sin. So covenant with his eyes, make a, make a decision, honor God with your eyes, with your thoughts, with your temptation, put it to death, you know, stand firm and walk in the Lord, um, guard your heart, make good decisions, and for the women, I, I don't think it's right for the church to give up a call to modesty for women just because there's a cultural backlash against purity culture, um, or promise rings, for example. Just because for some that has all kinds of baggage, I don't think it's right that the, the, the practice itself should be vilified and tossed. Um, so just a, a care on this, um, the culture may be very toxic against a certain thing. Uh, patriarchy, for example. Husband are the head of, of the home, um, just as Christ is the head of the church, as it were. Ephesians 5, these are biblical things. Have they been abused by some? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean we just throw them all out categorically. Yeah. Uh, the whole headship and submission thing in marriage, same thing. You know, we're kind of skittish because there are some husbands that tragically abuse headship. Yeah. And they, they make it a caricature of what it really is. It's terrible. And I've run into lots of counseling stuff. We've run into that. Right. But headship and submission is taught in the Bible. And mm -hmm. submission is not a dirty word. And wives are called to submit to their husbands as much as husbands are called to love their wives and as Christ loved the church. But now we're in a culture where like submission isn't like, you gotta be really careful and give 15 disclaimers when you're teaching women about submission because of the knucklehead husband out there that's abused it mm -hmm. and go, no, we're acknowledging that the husband has abused it. We're acknowledging that wives need to be protected and loved and cared for and shepherded when they're in an abusive situation. Right. But every husband isn't an abusive husband and wives are still called to submit and that has not changed and and understand you got to teach all the biblical stuff there but it's right you give up you you, you kind of get on the defensive if we're not careful get on the defensive about purity or defensive right. or uh, of submission and so on and then we give up the ground and we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. by the way i'm just i'm i'm serious you're you're fortunate to have this guy for your pastor man this dude is a stud i love it i, I appreciate moving it. on <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, I'm sitting there going, just keep talking, Jeremy. That's good. That's good. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've, we're at 107. Let's go to one. Let's go to 110. How about that with the questions? One more question. We've got time for one more question. I think there's a lot of conversation that should happen as a family, all together. Um, there's a lot of teaching, a lot of uh, a lot of passages that should be engaged. Um, across the board. Uh, we, we never want sex to be a topic that our kids are shocked at or are like, whoa, my buddy told me something and I'm like, what in the world is that? You know, we lead the way on that. When it comes to specific, um, you know, I would say, especially for boys at a certain age, there's value in pulling them aside and being like, okay, there's some changes going on in your body. Right, you're, you're, you're entering into days of puberty and here's what's gonna start happening. And this is cool, right? You're gonna start getting hair and, 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 and your voice is gonna start cracking and, and this is awesome, right? So you champion uh, masculinity, you, you champion what it means to be a boy and I think there's value in esteeming that 
for him and to, to the same end for, for the girls, um, to champion femininity, to, to esteem what it means to be a woman created by God and, and you know, the changes that are going to be taking place for them. Um, so that would be my thought there. That's good. I, I just I think it is a wisdom issue in, in each individual family and in each individual child. Some of the aspects of the topic we're talking about might be fine for the whole family to engage in. Others might be more personalized. You want to be one-on-one, but you'll know as you're, you and your husband are being students of your kids, the Lord will guide you in that. So it's kind of a yes-no uh, answer there. Some situations one-on-one, some do it all together as a family, probably benefit in both ways. Mm-hmm. I think what you do want to be aware of or careful with, I, I was in uh, sex ed, seventh grade, public school, and not necessarily my buddies, but guys in my class saw it as opportunity to ask all the questions they've, they'd always wanted to ask. And, and that day echoes in my mind as completely unhelpful, absolutely unhelpful. The questions that were asked, the kinds of thoughts that I had never even had that day that took place. I look back and I'm like, I wish I was sick that day. I didn't need to hear half of what I heard. Uh, so parents who have children in public school settings, uh, let me just say this, don't put them in those classrooms. I would not put your children in a sex education moment at all in public schools in this state. Um, If you know it's coming, keep them home, pull them out. And and again, the schools are working hard to prevent that from happening. Um, But it is uh, is a, a clash of worldviews. And, and the school, especially the public school scenario, is uh, one of the, the, the front lines of that clash. Um, so be wise, be, be intentional in this. Don't wait around and be like, well, I wonder if we should have the, the talk now. No, plan to have the talk. Uh, if need be, uh, put it on, you know, 12th birthday or, or whatever it is. Plan for it and build up to it. Make it exciting, you know, um, uh, something to look forward to that rather than just be like, oh, great, here it comes again, uh, the talk, right? 